Recorded live. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 12th day of January 2015, and uh, that makes it, let's see, Monday. Yay, Monday. Okay, wait a minute. I think we got it now. There we have it. Just something need reset. I thought I had everything done, and I did. But then this, uh, you know, this piece of software <laughs> decided to not cooperate anymore. But it's back on. Everything's up and running. Hey, it's not bad for a Monday, huh? Anyway, it's about ten minutes after noon out here on the Pacific Time Coast, so that I guess would make it a uh, oh three or so over on the East Coast, which. Who cares? I don't live on the East Coast. Oh, let's see. What Any housekeeping, there is something. And uh, that one thing is an upcoming thing that I kind of I, I kind of floated as an idea on Friday. And, you know, I, I like the idea so much. I don't know how many of you did or don't, and, you know, not really a poll taker, so I guess I don't care because if I think it's something's a good idea, I'm going to do it regardless of what anybody thinks. You know? 
because most good ideas, do you realize when I started the uh, the newspaper, which, you know, ran for six years, you know, monthly for six years, uh, it was a 16-page newspaper, The American Voice, that's, you know, that's why one of the websites is The American Voice instead of well, why you have that, and, you know, AmericanVoiceRadio.com seems to be more, you know, in tune with what you're doing, being a radio network. Well, yeah, but, you know, the first uh, thing was a newspaper, and that was the American Voice. So, yeah, the thing is, though, I went to one of my good friends, probably my best friend at the time, and said, uh, hey, man, I got an idea. And I told him, I said, I'm going to start a newspaper. Yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I've looked at the prices. I've looked at the thing. I'm going to publish next month. He goes, you can't do that. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to test this. You got to do that. You got to, you know. And he had a list of all the very normal, regular, prudent things that people do before they start a business. You know, you have to do market research, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And he, man, he had a laundry list of things that I had to do. And and I can't say that any, none of them were like, oh, well, that's just stupid. None of it was really stupid. It was just a little, you know, overboard. You know, so, uh, you know, I listened to him because really... I hadn't thought of any of all that because, you know, I just had an idea and figured I'd go do it. And then he told me, I, well, you can't just do that, and told me why. And I, was, I listened, and I said, well, I'm doing it anyway. So I did. And that's the thing, folks. You know, I mean, if you've got an idea that you think's good, you've got to have a little confidence in your in your own judgment. Maybe you're wrong. Okay, maybe you've got, maybe your judgment's poor, okay? Maybe you have poor judgment, all right? And and maybe, you know, hey, you come up with an idea, you think it's good, and, and you're wrong. But, you know, you should do it anyway. Because you know why? You can learn as much, probably more, from being wrong than you can being right. I'm telling you, you can... You can really learn a lot from making mistakes. I know this <laughs> because, well, I've made a lot of mistakes. You know, and I always try to learn from them, and, uh, you know, so here I am. Well, this idea is to repeal the 17th Amendment of the United States Constitution. Now, I know I, I I preach about becoming active locally in your local politics, and, and, and local means your state also, okay, because everybody's got this national mindset. We got national news. We got national emergencies. We got national everything, right? Well, that's not what this country was based on. That's not the foundation of this country. The foundation of this country starts in your local neighborhood. Then it moves to your county. 
Then it moves to your state. And the states created the federal government as a protection device. You know, in both trade and war. That's all it's really there for. Okay, that that really is all it's there for. The states are pretty much supposed to do everything else. And why is that? Because the people have a more direct control over the states. And the people in this country are supposed to be in charge of their own affairs. That's the concept of the United States of America. Well, to make an amendment, to get an amendment going, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to organize within your state. Because to get an amendment passed, three-quarters of the state have to vote for it. Okay? So you're going to have to organize in, every, in at least three-quarters of the state. To do this. So it, it, it works together with that whole idea of being more local. Now, why the 17th Amendment? Well, I, I kind of explained it on Friday, but for those of you that weren't here on Friday, you know, it's because it changed the form of government and basically X'd out the states of the unions influence and suffrage in the Senate. Now, I could make the argument that, look, and I have made the argument that the 17th Amendment was not lawfully passed. Yes, they got three quarters, they got over three quarters of the states. But they denied suffrage of the states in the Senate, and that's got to be unanimous. You cannot take any state suffrage away from them without their consent. And it was not unanimous. But, you know, there's the, the, the Supreme Court wouldn't hear that. And if they did hear it, they'd rule against it. So that's not, that's not the way to go. The way to go is not the same way that got us into this mess. And the same way that got us into this mess is national, national, national this, national that. Let's take it to the Supreme National Court. Well, we see what the Supreme National Court likes to rule. Oh, yeah, they like to rule, well, you know, if Walmart will pay more taxes for the land that you live on, well, then the city can just say, Oh, we're condemning your land, we're taking it, and we're giving it to Walmart. Giving it to Walmart because, well, they'll pay more taxes. We can make more money. Sorry. Yeah, the Supreme Court says that's A-OK. Are you kidding me? You know what? It's uh, enough for that. And how important is the Senate when it comes to the Supreme Court, folks? Hello? The Senate is the one that confirms these people. Yeah, the president picks them, but the Senate's got to agree to it, just like treaties. This is why it's so important that the states of the Union have a say in the Senate. 
that they are elected by the legislators of your state to do what's best for your state. And who's the state? The people are the state. And you've got a lot more control. Let me tell you something, folks. This whole 17th Amendment was sold to the people of this country because, yeah, there was a lot of corruption, especially down south, you know, because of Reconstruction. All the carpetbaggers were in there, and they really didn't give a damn about the Southerners. As a matter of fact, a lot of them didn't even like the Southerners. They were down there to rob, rape, and pillage them legally. Legally, through regulations and money and every other legal way, they plunder and pillage. And you should be very familiar with that because they're still doing it, except now they're doing it everywhere. You know, and you had the boss hogs running everything. And so people, they got, you know, the, the, the... usurpers got together and said, hey, everybody, you know, you got all this corruption that, of course, we created. Yeah, that's right. We created. And and, and it's bad. And you, gee, you know, you have all these criminals in your thing. And you don't want them uh, choosing who your senator is going to be, do you? Wouldn't you rather have control over that yourself? Yeah. Yeah, you could be the boss. Wouldn't you like that better? And everybody bought it and said, "Ooh, yeah, I'd like to be boss. Yeah, let me do that. Let me let me play in the rigged elections. Wee-hee, woo-hoo, yay. And they turned the Republican form of government into a democracy. Those of you out there that think you're still in a republic, that you, you want to correct people when they call this a democracy, and you go, we're a republic. No, we're not. Sorry. Try to catch up. You're, we, this is not a Republican form of government anymore. They changed it, or did you miss that? So we can change it back, just like the 18th Amendment. Look, uh, let's have an amendment to the Constitution. We're going to make alcohol illegal. Well, they turn around and they said, okay, we're going to make an amendment, getting rid of the amendment that says we're making alcohol illegal. So it can be done. And we will be far better off. You ever wonder why? It took an amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America to make alcohol illegal, but it didn't take an amendment to the Constitution to make marijuana illegal. How'd that happen? I mean, why is that allowed? Why why aren't they the same? I mean, if it took an amendment to do that, why didn't they have to have an amendment to make that illegal? Well, I'll tell you how, and you can go to Alfred Adask's site. Uh, I think it's called Adask's Law. Go there, and you can read in depth about it. But how they did it, I'm convinced now how they did it, why they needed to do an amendment to make alcohol illegal but not marijuana, is they just said, okay, we've decided – 
we're going to say marijuana is a narcotic. And if you go look in their law, that's what they do. We're going to treat marijuana as a narcotic. Oh. Well, gee. It's not, but they're going to treat it like one. All right. And then they're going to treat it as if it were that this, you see, because you go, all right, so it's a narcotic. Well, still, you can say it's a narcotic, and that's fine for Washington, D.C., and that's fine for, you know, Army bases and wherever federal property and all is, but it doesn't mean squat within the States of the Union because you don't have any jurisdiction. You can think whatever you want to think. You can make anything. You can call water a narcotic if you want, and then, you know, don't give anybody in Washington, D.C. water unless they get a prescription for it. That's fine. You want to do that in Washington, D.C. or the territories? or yeah, That's great. So then they go on and they say, well, and we're going to treat marijuana as though it were. Meaning it isn't, but we're going to treat it as though it were a commercial crime. Oh, uh-oh, what's that do? Now that invokes what they like to call the Commerce Clause. Yeah, now they say, well, it's interstate commerce, it's a commercial crime, and uh, we can regulate anything anywhere. And besides, wait a minute, okay, so let's say you say it's a narcotic, you say you can regulate it. Okay, well, wait a minute. So it's a commercial crime because you can regulate it and you decided it's illegal. Now, I understand if you're in business, government regulates business. Like if I'm going to tell people, well, okay, come on down here and I'll prescribe you these drugs. And... uh You'll be fine. Trust me. Okay, so I got to be licensed to do that because I'm dealing with the public and I I could hurt them. And they got to have some sort of protection and all that and recourse and yada, yada. But if I want to put poison in my body, who are you to regulate that? Who are you to say, well, uh, we don't think that's good for you. So you can't do it because, well, uh, well, we love you and we don't want you to hurt yourself. Well, that's very nice, but no thanks. You know, I'll do what I please. Beat it. You're not my daddy. You know. Oh, but wait. Let's go back to their law. What have they done? They have determined, they have decided that you are an animal. That's right. They have decided you are an animal. And it specifically is found, it's in in more than just here, but it's specifically found many times in all the drug laws. In the section of the United States Code that deals with narcotics and drugs and devices and medical stuff and, you know, things like that, pharmaceuticals. So... You go there and you find out you are now determined by the federal government to be an animal. Hell, 
animals don't have any rights. Animals can be regulated. You know why? Because animals are considered livestock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, what do you have livestock for? Well, for commerce. Oh, we're back to that again. You see, because they can decide that you're an animal, and fine, okay, you go to Washington, D.C., you can start moving like a cow and, you know, and all that. But in the States, hey, forget about it. Well, no. Oh, Commerce Clause, ooh, it counts everywhere, everything, you know. This is the kind of stuff that happens when you allow the corporations to control your Senate. And that is who is controlling the Senate of the United States today. The corporations. Now, yeah, are there some people like, uh, oh, I don't know, the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffett? Sure. Sure, you bet. But they're doing it through corporations. They amass these huge piles of money. They go and buy up majority stock in corporations. And then these corporations do their bidding, and they have absolutely no liability for any kind of mayhem their activities create. Oh, yeah, well, gee, you know, the corporation killed, you know, 20,000 people, but, uh, oh, well, here's a few billion dollars, and uh, let's call it even. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody who made the decisions for the corporation to kill 20 million people goes to jail. How many people from Monsanto or Dow Chemical went to jail over Agent Orange? Nobody. Nobody. They hide behind the corporate veil. And then, does does Congress come along and say, okay, that's it. We are canceling your charter. You know, we're killing you, basically. We're killing the corporation. You're going to be executed. You just mass murder 20 million people. No, they don't even do that. Forget about the individuals responsible for the decisions. They never get held responsible. They don't even have to pay a fine. Nothing. Oh, if the press singles them out, which they never, ever do, they might have to go work for another corporation somewhere quietly. But the media doesn't do that. Congress doesn't pull their charter and say, you know what, you're no longer working in the best interest of the American people, seeing as how you just killed 20,000 of them. You know, I mean, really. So, with all that immunity, now they have all this money. So what do they do? They go to Congress and they say, ooh, we want these people in key places. I'm, I'm getting, forget the House of Representatives, folks. That's a whole other issue. I'm not dealing with it. The Senate of the United States, 
That's what I'm focusing on. Now, why is that important to the corporations to control? Because the Senate of the United States confirms the heads of agencies, the bureaucracy, and that's what the corporations work through. They come by and they say, hmm, here's our former, you know, vice president from Pfizer, and we'd like him to be or her to be, uh, yeah, the head of the FDA, you know, the agency that regulates Pfizer. Now, I'm using Pfizer, but you see Monsanto actually did this. And you go through the Senate, and you buy off all these senators, and then they go, oh, he's confirmed. And then he gets in there, and he starts making rules that benefit the company he came from. And then when he's done after a few years, he goes back to work for them. This is why the Senate is important. This is why the corporations decided to buy the Senate. They rigged the elections because, oh, guess who makes the voting machines? That's right, corporations. Oh, and another thing you might say, well, yeah, but Diebold isn't, isn't Monsanto. Diebold's not Dow. Diebold's not here. Diebold's not that. Yeah, that might be true, but guess what? You can look at, let's look at somebody like Jeb Bush. Yeah, Jeb Bush, right? How many boards of directors was he on before he quit them all because he's going to run for president now? Folks, this is like the revolving door we see at the agencies. The president of the stinking United States is doing it now. It's not just the prostitutes that want to work for, oh, I want to be the head of the FDA. Uh -uh -uh -uh. It's the president of the United States now. Oh, yeah, he quit all those corporate boards he was on. Why was he on those corporate boards in the first place? Why was he getting those salaries? Do you think Jeb Bush is some sort of guy who knows anything about much of anything? No, he was there because they were renting his influence. And now he's going to go run for president so he can give all those companies that he was on the board all the favors. How many of those other board members will become ambassadors representing this country to other nations in the world? How many of those other people on the board will end up the head of agencies in the federal government? I can tell you probably about 80% of the agencies, of the, of the openings, will go to those people. but they all got to be confirmed through the Senate. And whoever controls the Senate decides who's that, who that's going to be. Now, do I trust my state legislature? Not so much. But do I trust them more than I trust Monsanto? Oh, hell yeah. So, I'm going to be putting together a website. I got the name. It's repeal the 17, the number, 17. Then I got another one for those people that get confused that says repeal the 17th written out. So 
try to keep one short, one long. You know, chances are you'll get there, but if you can't figure it out, then probably it's not going to help you even if you did get there. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Everybody stay right where you're at.
things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do either. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children, once at home, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 668-51. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, man. 
Hi, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 12th day of January 2015. It is Monday, okay, and about uh, 12.46 out here, almost 12.47 on the Pacific Time Coast. And there you go. If that's all true, we're live. You can call in 800-596-8191 or go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and uh, go to the chat room there. You'll find the link, and you can go in there and participate in the show or just chat with the other folks. Okay, let's see here. I was talking in the first half there about a little housekeeping. You know, the news is the news. I mean, blah, blah, blah. You know, some days are better than others, and there's things to talk about. And there's always, I mean, I could always talk about any of this. But I have to prioritize. You see, and that's what you need to start doing too, folks. Everybody needs to prioritize. I've mentioned this before about, well, you know, I always try to mention something about being prepared in every show. I mean, I wouldn't consider this necessarily a prepper's show, but, you know, because there's there's other things in life beyond just sitting and preparing 24 hours a day, all day, every day, and you talk about nothing else but preparing. But the thing is, it's very important to prepare. Because, yes, 
You have to live now. You have to deal with things now. But you also have to look a little ahead to the future. And that takes preparation, and you got to do that. The future is coming unless you drop dead tomorrow. You know, and what about your family? Well, maybe they could drop dead all tomorrow too with you. Well, then you don't have to prepare if that's your plan. But, I mean, if it's not your plan, then maybe you ought to prepare. And if it is your plan, hey, you know what? Plans don't always work out. But preparation is important. Anyway, we're in kind of shaky times, and a lot of the news is geared towards that. And uh, now I've got an article over here I need to digest before I talk about it. And it is about gold, the gold market, okay? And I don't quite understand it. Uh, I read it once, and I'm like, wow, this is, uh, for one thing, it's translated from a foreign, you know, uh, you know. It's translated from a foreign language, so that, uh, you know, makes it even harder to, and plus it's a complicated thing going on, which, you know, you've heard the phrase, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with BS. Well, that's basically our our financial markets. That's basically our whole economy, our whole monetary system, and our whole political scene is, is all based on that operating idea. And they're not smart enough to dazzle anybody with brilliance, so what are they left with? To baffle everybody with BS. And they become fairly uh, proficient at that. Well, proficient meaning they pump out a lot of BS, but it's it's mostly not believable. And it's mostly easily, uh, you know, arguable at least. But while you're preparing, folks, you can become active and try to make things a change. And you might say, well, there is no hope for the United States. It's done. Put a fork in it, it's over. I tend to agree. The United States, as we grew up knowing it, I... This is just my belief. Okay, I don't have a crystal ball or anything, but I believe it, it's done. It's over. It's too far gone. But that doesn't mean anything, really, to your life. It doesn't have to. And, yes, the basis of what I was talking about is to do something on a national scale through local and state groups and organizations, grassroots. And it's going to have to be because the opposition is not going to want this. You think there was a fight about GMO labeling? You think corporations spent a boatload of money to misdirect the, the mass herd away from something that benefits themselves? Gee, uh... Wouldn't you like to know what your food is? Nah, I don't want to know that crap because, 
uh, the corporations tell me if they have to put that on the label that it's going to cost, uh, you know, it's going to cost me so much to eat that I won't be able to eat. I'll starve. I'll starve if we have to put non-GMO on the label. Wow. Or if we have to print GMO on the label, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make food so expensive that we'll all die. Wait a minute. How does adding three little letters to a label drive the cost so high that we're all going to die? Well, that's the crap that they put out on the TV. And the herd all believed it. But less and less are believing it every time, every election cycle. Yeah, that lost in Oregon again, but it barely lost. And they cheated to boot. Yeah, they had to cheat to win this time. The last time, they won by a bigger margin. This time, it was so close they had to cheat. Next time, you're toast. But if you think they spent a boatload of money to try to swing an election against GMO labeling, you wait and see how much money they spend if you actually get organized and get it on your state's ballots or get your legislatures to start doing repeal the 17th Amendment. Oh, boy, you'll have every corporation in this country shoveling money as fast as they can onto television, telling you, you're all going to die if you do this. It'll You'll die. You'll die. Your kids will die. Yeah, that's it. Your kids will die if you repeal the 17th Amendment. You wait. You watch. You'll see. And you know what? The more they squawk about it, the more they will expose themselves as the criminal bribers that they are. Oh, it's not in their best interest to repeal the 17th Amendment. It is a deep, serious blow to the corporations of America. So if you don't like the corporations, if you're kind of pissed off that Monsanto gets away with poisoning you and you can't even have a label to let you know you're being poisoned, if you're kind of pissed off that Walmart gets to walk on into your town and say, hey, get out of your house, get out of here, we're going to build a Walmart, and the city will say, yeah, that's right, get out of here, we're going to get more taxes from Walmart than you, so... Find a new place to live. Here's 10 bucks for your property. Beat it. Because that's what they do, too, folks. You know, oh, yes. Well, I read the Constitution. It says that they got to give you a fair, you know, uh, compensation for your property when they take it. Oh, do they? Well, guess what they do? They condemn it and say, well, you see, now that it's condemned, it's not worth much because nobody can live there because it's condemned. Catch 22, do you understand? This is like this is the this is the legal way of the mob coming in and saying, "Hey, how much you want to sell your house for?" Well, uh, let's see. The market value is a uh, hundred thousand bucks, and I really don't want to sell. So, a hundred fifty thousand bucks. Oh, how's about I give you fifty grand? No. It ought to take the 50 grand. No. Okay, have it your way. Next day, your house burns to the ground, and they go, how much you want for your 
Well, tell you what, I give you ten grand for your property. Yeah, this is the legal way of the mob doing that sort of action. Oh, hey, we've decided we're condemning your property. Yes, your house used to be worth $100,000 when people were allowed to live in it. But now they're not allowed to live in it because we've condemned it. So now it's only worth $20,000. So here's your fair and just compensation of $20,000. Now get out or we'll have the sheriff drag you and your family out. Because Walmart wants this, and we're giving it to them because, you see, we got the 20 grand from them. If you're getting sick of that sort of corporate activity, folks, wouldn't it be nice to stick an ice pick in corporate America's eyeball and say, woo, shish kebab time? Let's get the barbecue set up. They're not going to like it. They've become accustomed to controlling the United States Senate, folks. So, you know, what happens? Oh, okay, so the whole country is going to fall apart. The economic system is going to crash and burn, and the United States will no longer be what we grew up knowing it to be. Okay, so... So you've organized all these local groups now, right, to repeal the 17th Amendment? And, and okay, so if the, if the United States government fails, then there's no need for that, obviously. But you still have all these groups. You still have all these people connected in these groups that can now circle the wagons and say, okay, fine, no more United States government, uh, somehow we'll we – We'll get by, okay? And uh, they can circle the wagons using the organization they already have set up. See, it's a win-win, folks. It's a win-win. But, you know, people have to be willing to do it. And I'm going to be willing. I'm going to put together a website, and I'm going to explain, you know, I'm going to explain everything that I can explain. You know, the history, how it happened, why it was set up the way it was set up, why it should go back to that, what's wrong with it the way it is now, what's happening now, the process of actually getting it changed, the whole nine yards. You know, but people are going to have to, you know, say, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll see, and I'll be back again tonight. we got a full, full day coming up. Next is financial survival. You should tune in and find out what's going on there because, hey, you know, money makes the world go round. And uh, as always, thanks for listening.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Good. Yeah, but except, they never get to the except the Cowboys and the Patriots. 
anyway, we better move on. We keep getting our foot in our, caught in our mouths today. Not me. Not you? No. Nope. <laughs> I've got every time I start this program, I, I, I tie my foot down to the leg of the desk so it can't get up to where I can put it in my mouth. It's uh, not oh. physically possible. Well, I have a tendency to do that every now and again. But, hey, no foot and mouth today with gold. We have gold, although it's back from its high today, up uh, almost $10 at $1,234. We have silver up 6 at 16.68. Platinum up 12 at 1,244, along with palladium up 7 at 814. And the USDX day trading slightly higher, 0 0.09 at 92.01. Another beating on crude oil today, down 2.45 at 45.91, and a lot of pressure on the paper markets today. Although I do believe they're off uh, the lows of the day. You did have uh, high triple-digit uh, losses today, on um, down 96 at 17,641. The Nasdaq down 39 at 46.64, along with the S&P down 16 also. At 2028 and the 10-year yield, holy mackerel, <laughs> down 0.06 at 1.91%. So, um, get crude oil, crude oil falling. That was more than 5% for crude oil. It's amazing. Um, there's another stock today. I had to laugh a little bit. They were talking about Tiffany's, you know, the the little blue box, Tiffany's, yep. and, they, and they decided to uh, change uh, a lot of their advertising to uh, accommodate gay marriages, transgender, and so forth. And their stocks dropped <laughs> good. like 11%. I was like, yeah. okay, good, good. You know, it's, uh, but when you really look at a lot of these huge companies, um, they all do. They all support them, you know, and it's all for the, the dollar, the almighty dollar. They'll do anything and everything for that dollar. So that's no, uh, just they're just happen. whores. That's all they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. That's all. The money is right. They'll take it. This isn't a question of right or wrong. It's just how do you make the money. And it's one of the dangerous things about all corporations, and it's one of the dangerous things about an economy as compared to a nation. Two different systems of value in the economy. The systems of value are all about the money. They are all about profit and loss. Right and wrong is irrelevant. You get into the nation, entirely different system of values. And the nation, we're thinking about what's right and wrong. We're thinking moral, immoral. What's good for the people, what's not good for the people. Economy, it's all about profit and loss, primarily for corporations. And uh, right and wrong is irrelevant. Well, speaking of corporations, you have big banks. They're set to report their earnings this week. And, um, you know, they might have had a little bit of a problem during that last quarter of last year. You have the CEOs of both Bank of America and Citigroup saying that their trading revenues were weak in that quarter. Uh, both of those companies will report the results this week. You also have Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. Um, they're supposed to also report this week. Uh, Citi said that they were cutting the bonuses of some of its traders. Uh, so if they had such a tremendous year, can't imagine why they'd be cutting the bonuses, uh, although they did have some hefty fines earlier in the year. But uh, um, 
you know, so it, when you have the, the stock market hitting all-time highs, you, you wouldn't think of cutting bonuses. And, um, you know, you would also think that if there was a big improvement in the U.S. economy and that you'd have, uh, along with these low rates that continue, um, if everything was so grand, you would think, you know, that there would be much bigger demands for mortgages, credit cards, and other types of bank loans. Um, we've seen numbers come out for auto loans and, and so forth that uh, they're increasing. But, of course, there are those mortgages and credit cards and auto loans, uh, they're also subprime loans, a lot of those. So um, we'll see how those reports are. And uh, you know, is this an ongoing thing that we're going to see beginning 2015? We all know that Congress passed a bill last month that led banks to continue to, to trade in risky assets. Uh, as we all know, it's derivatives. We talk about that a lot of times on this program. And um, also they, the feds also agreed last month to delay the other part of, the, of their law, uh, of the vocal rule that requires banks to sell their hedge funds in private equity stakes. Uh, now they've been given until 2017 to do so. So, and again, that's just because these banks are so, such on shaky ground that um, um, they, they can't afford to do it now. You know, they make excuses and so forth, but they just can't do it now. Well, the other thing is they start selling a particular class of investment or mm -hmm. apparent asset, alleged asset, inevitably the price is going to all the banks start selling a particular asset class at the same time, you're going to put more of that in the market, the price is going to fall, and I would imagine government's concerned. They don't want to take a chance on knocking a particular asset class down because it's hard to say where it go from there. Well, maybe they've given them until 2017 because they will go down on their own. <laughs> yeah, by 2017, we'll see what's even here, you know. Because 
you read an article here, new banking rules will devastate depositors as your money becomes theirs, meaning the bankers, in the next crisis. And what the article is about is that the G20 met in November, December, mm-hmm. and they passed new rules mid-November. Mm-hmm. They met in mid-November, and they passed uh, uh, new rules. Can you talk about just, those rules? Mm-hmm. Where your bank deposits will become the property of the bank mm-hmm. if a crisis takes it down. And what they're saying here is you're not going to have a chance to participate in the bankruptcy. Right? Worst case scenario, things break down and you find out that your bank is in trouble. And you better ride down, ride, drive down to the bank right now and get there so you can be in line first to get your get your deposits out of the bank before it collapses. And it'll be that ship will have sailed before you even hear about it. And when it sails, what's gonna happen is the banks will assume that your deposits are now equity for the bank. They're going to change your status from that of a depositor to that of an investor in the bank. And as an investor, you're subject to losing your money. Right? Depositors are now responsible for bailing in the banks for any losses during the banking crisis. The article I'm reading from says, can you say derivatives? And you've mentioned derivatives. The author says the derivatives exposure is said to be at a minimum $300 trillion. He's presumably talking about American banks only. Um, under the FDIC, U.S. deposits are, are less than $250,000 are, are protected by federal deposit insurance. However, the insurance funds are entirely inadequate to handle a major collapse because there's only $25 billion in the FDIC. The derivatives alone are $300 trillion. Twenty-five billion is two point five percent of a trillion, and we have three hundred trillion in derivative exposure. And you can see that twenty-five billion is nothing. It's a triviality. It's not even it's it's I mean it's it's a fraction of a percent. I mean a tiny fraction of a percent. There's not enough money in the FDIC to cover this. And so what they've done is pass laws for the G20 nations, or at least G20 has recommended that these laws be passed, and they are apparently being passed throughout the Western nations, that the banks now be allowed to conduct bail-ins as opposed to bail-out. Bail-out is when the bank is going broke, it's too big to fail, and the federal government and or the Federal Reserve gives the bank free money. They are bailing the bank out. A bail-in is when the bank gets into financial trouble. The government and the Federal Reserve said, no, we're not, we, we can't get any deeper into debt. We're out of here. You're on your own, except for what you can get from your depositors. They will be bailed in by being able to take ownership of the deposits and use them. And the first thing they're going to pay off are the uh, derivatives, people holding derivatives. They will be the first ones to get paid off out of your bank account which is just an extraordinary insult because these derivatives are by and large nothing but a hustle and a con and a kind of incredible fraud. I think the gross national product for the nation is somewhere around $16 trillion a year. Yet we've got $300 trillion 
worth of derivatives apparently associated just with American banks. There's other estimates put it. Some people estimate as high as two quadrillion dollars in derivatives, and most people go along with one quadrillion. And there's only 16 trillion for gross domestic product of the country. That indicates there are something like 20 times as many, roughly 20 times, the derivatives are roughly in the United States banks are roughly 20 times the size of the annual gross domestic product in this country. It tells you that these derivatives are just an incredible fraud. Right? That's what they are. They are a fantastic and incredible fraud by means of which the banks have made and the big banks have made fortunes. Now, uh-oh, it's coming time where they might have to pay off on these derivatives, and if they do, they are going to lose fortunes and probably be bankrupted. Uh, so in any case, the point is, G20 nations are going to be bail-ins rather than bail-outs. And one of the implications on all of this is that if you have your money in that bank account, the bank goes into a difficult situation. It's going to just take your money. You're not going to get to the bank in time to withdraw your cash. Well, I think this time, Al, around with bank runs, I mean, previously, if there is such a thing as an orderly bank run, people had to go to the branch, they had to stand in line, they had to go in, and they had to withdraw their funds, and hopefully you were in the front of the line and not in the back of the line. So if that's orderly bank runs, today's world, you have thousands and millions of people sitting at a computer to where they can withdraw those funds or transfer those funds with a click of a button. In so, theory, if the, but even so, even by so. the time they hear about it on the Internet, the bank oh, will Oh, it's going to be way too long. Account. But even still, even if think about those in the knowledge that this is going to happen. You know, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of people to sit around and, and, and reduce whether it be companies, whether it be, you know, associates and so forth. So it's still very much more dangerous if you can have those funds just disappear totally out so of these banks the in, in the, bl- in the blink get- of an eye. Yeah. You, can bet that you, you can bet that the banks are installing yeah. programs right now, computer programs, where? In the event that the bank becomes insolvent or gets near to being insolvent, and they see any increase in people trying to withdraw their funds electronically, they see a couple percent increase, and they're going to bang. Computer's going to trigger automatically, and it's going to shut everything down and seize the funds on behalf of the bank. Now, I'm not telling you. It's not a news report that I've read, but I'm just telling you it's just logical. It would be one of those things where... But then again, how good are all these computer like anybody and their brother can hack into things nowadays. I mean, there was new info coming out today um, with the Department of Defense um, mm-hmm. that was hacked. I don't know, one of the military, one, one, one of or another mili- branch of the military, I saw that, and I can't remember which one. The, the Pentagon social media accounts, mm-hmm. uh, where they posted names, addresses of U.S. generals, um, which... Makes you wonder why the central command has Twitter and YouTube sites. You know, I, I mean, like thinking? really? <laughs> what are they thinking about? It's certainly not what's important. Uh, <laughs> like marching off the war with my Twitter account. With my Twitter account. I mean, it. You know, 
we're not going to shoot the enemy. We're going to Twitterize them or maybe Facebook them or something. If you guys shoot at us, we're going to put you on Facebook. So there. Uh, becomes nuts. But you get caught up in it. And then somebody hacks into it and people complain about it. I don't know. Uh, but the point behind, the big point on this business with the bailings that you don't own the money in your bank account. Point one. Point two. Your money, even if you did own the, own the money in your deposits, even if that were true, there's not enough money in the FDIC to back them up in the case in case of a general bank failure. There's a lesson in this. Everybody's got to. Most people need to have bank accounts. Got to have a checking account, a Mastercard, and that sort of thing to get by in this world. But how much money do you want to keep in that account? How much money do you want to keep under your mattress, or better yet, in a jar full of gold coins? We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Peterson. Financial survival will return in just a moment. Stay tuned. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strain formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adisk here on Financial Survival with Melody Cedarstrom. The program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1 800 375 4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? We're going to continue our Mint State $6120 Liberty or Mint State $6120 St. Gotten, certified by NGC or PCGF for $1,375. This is only $75 over what a gold bullion eagle would cost. And, of course, if you buy two or more, there's free shipping um, that you will receive. And um, so these are great prices. I, I looked up the numbers for both the uh, $20 Liberty and the St. Gaudens and Men's State 61. And there was only, I can find the numbers here if I can, 265 thousand of them to be certified by NGC or PCGS, Mint State 61. For both coins, the Liberty and the Saint, that's all. I mean, that's an incredibly low number. And what are you laughing at, Al? I am laughing at one of the instant messages from Frank. It's not my fault. It's Frank's fault. Well, you really should be paying attention because yep. these are really good prices on this uh, uh, certified $20 gold piece, and you can own these uh, pre-33 gold uh, Mint State 61 Saint and Liberty for $1,375. Great buy. Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Make sure you visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Now what? Well, I'll tell you what, this isn't going to make you laugh. New York City today, they launched its municipal identification card program. It's the largest in the country, which will allow immigrants living in the country illegally to access key city services that they were previously unable to obtain. Well, that's important. Because isn't we that want people to be able to come into this country. Yes. Like welfare and housing subsidies and one thing or other like that as quickly as possible. You just come on up here and you'll get the people who live in this country to support those of you who want to move in. This will help them. Uh, advocates believe having this photo embedded cards may make immigrants feel more part of the community. Well, uh, that, uh, for those that lack any documentation, it will help them feel more comfortable seeking help from law enforcement. They said the cards also may help the elderly, the homeless, and the members of the transgender community who don't well, that's have important. it. We've got to do that. Who don't Are they going to help any of the straight people I see work for a living in the city of New York? You know, and the part that was, you know, here's this guy. He's 40 years old. They, they list his name. He said he had to wait in line for more than an hour today to get to, at, the, at the library to apply for his ID. Um, he has a job at a quality control job at a Brooklyn factory. Because the ID, the ID would come in handy for jobs, banking, insurance, for everything. He says, thank you for the opportunity. He's a native of Columbia who has lived in New York for about 15 years. If you can't get any ID in 15 years and you're killed here illegally, how can you be working in a factory at a quality control job? I mean, it's just like... Ask Obama. I mean, if you think it's remarkable that somebody's here illegally and gets a job in a in a factory, 
how remarkable is it that someone who may have been born in Kenya has got a job in the White House? But to prevent any possible stigma that the idea is only carried by immigrants who are in the country illegally, now we don't want to make sure that they don't have any stigma. The city has created an incentive program to entice all New Yorkers, regardless of their immigration status, to get a card. Yeah. You know, I don't have anything against identification cards per se, but there's a problem with them that most people don't understand, and I don't understand clearly, but it appears that by virtue of taking a lot of the identification cards, you accept a lot, certain liabilities, duties, and obligations that are not inherent in being simply a man who lives in the, in a particular state. When you take that driver's license, you take obligations that essentially diminish your rights. Right? When you take some of these other identification cards, it would be fine if you wanted to just have an identification card where all it did was identify who you are and where you live and all that, and that's what they seem to do. But over the years, what I've come to believe, suspect, and perhaps understand, is that when you take those identification cards, they diminish your status. They change you in a way where you don't have the same rights you had before you signed on the line on that identification card. So there is at least a possible and perhaps probable disability that's, a, that's attached to these cards. And it, I guarantee you that whatever cards they're handing out in New York City, it's going to diminish the people's rights relative to the local government. It's going to put them in a situation where they are more subject to regulations, control, oppression. They will have less rights. It's a virtual certainty that's true. I can't say it's God's truth, but I'll bet you that that's the way it works out. These identification cards, they're so, oh, they're going to do so many good things for you. Yeah, 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 it'll be convenient. And you'll avoid the stigma, a bunch of other stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can bet it's a scam being ho hoisted off on the people by the government. I've got an article here from zerohedge.com, just brief. And it, the headline is gold. Well, the headline is gold hits 1235 as commodities crash to 12-year lows amid $45 oil. The only other time that, Bre that Bloomberg's broad-based commodity index has fallen so far so fast was in 1999, before the stocks crashed, and 2008, before the stocks crashed. At 12-year lows, the raw material of the world's economies is, a, uh, is flashing a red warning sign that all is not well. Plus, Texas Intermediate crude oil traded at $45. Copper prices just broke below $6,000 per metric ton for the first time in five years. He asked, which oversupplier will get the blame for that? You know, we're arguing that we have an oversupply of crude oil, and that's why the price is falling. But what he's saying is, look, this isn't just oversupply. This is diminished demand, and, that's, and that signals that we're in a global recession and perhaps global depression. <clears throat> Don't mention iron ore, steel, aluminum, which all hit new cycle lows. Amid all this turmoil, gold just broke to 1235 
$1,235. It's highest in a month. Now he's got some graphs here and the rest, but the point is this. Gold is resurging, at least for the moment, as commodities are at 12-year lows, and this indicates something. It, it's, not, it's not proof. It's too early to say this is proof, but it's telling us that while other commodities are falling in value, gold is actually rising which suggests that investors are no longer treating gold as a commodity. It's not moving downward with commodities. It's moving upward with fiat dollars. Insofar as gold continues to rise and commodities continue to fall, it's evidence that an increasing number of investors are looking and say, this is not a commodity, this is money it becomes more valuable during a period of deflation. For the, for the moment, gold is the number two money in the world. The number one at the moment is actually a currency, not money, but it's a fiat dollar, and it's done the most, it's grown the most in value over the last six months. But gold has basically tagged along. Gold is only down a little relative to the dollar where other commodities are down more substantially. It's evidence that people are beginning to say, wait a second, that shiny yellow stuff is not just a commodity, it's money, and I want some. Hey, are you still there? Yes, gold has always uh -huh. been. Got to hit your mute button, don't you, Melody? Gold has always been a great uh, um, indicator of markets, and uh, certainly it's the canary in the mine. And uh, when we see the prices move uh, along with a stronger dollar, uh, certainly it t also tells us that uh, things are, you know, there is something wrong. And it, it certainly does bring a little more recognition. And uh, we certainly see the flight to the bond as people reach out for thinking the bond is a safe place to go. We've certainly seen that yield drop uh, like a rock of late. And as uh, so you see people going in there, so um, you know, naturally we're going to have that rise in gold. And uh, so, you know, again, the signs are all there if anybody cares to look, if anybody cares to prepare. And uh, certainly uh, I hear it all the time. Well, I'm going to wait until gold goes down. I'm going to wait. How much lower do you want it to go? I mean, this is low compared where gold and silver are headed in the near future. Oh, we've said for years, I mean, half of investing is just having the courage to make a move. You know, it's it's people who are waiting for it to go lower and lower and lower. Also, when it's, once it starts going higher, they're going to wait until it comes back lower and wait and wait until they finally get to a point. And they say, you know, I could have bought gold when it was 12 35 an ounce. Well, I'm not going to buy it at all. Well, uh, the, and one of the implications is that the people who profit from these markets are those that are intelligent enough to understand the fundamentals and perhaps lucky enough to make good bets and good guesses on this thing, but you've got to act on it. If you don't have the courage to act, guess what? You are going to be left behind. So it's not an easy thing because it's hard to know always whether where is the price of gold going to be. 
but a lot of people sincerely believe it could fall lower than the rest of that. But we're at a point where we can't say it's true just yet, but we can begin to say gold is rising. It's kind of taken three steps forward and two steps back, and then taken three steps forward and two steps back, and so on. It hasn't taken off like a skyrocket, but on the other hand, doesn't look as if the downtrend is likely to continue that we've seen during the last couple of years. It looks like we've finally established a bottom point one and point two. Looks like it may be going up. We'll watch and see. Too early to say, but not too early to suspect. Things you look at, and and you've got to have, what do you think? You know, you have to have the courage to trust your your own capacity to decide. Is it going up? Is it going down? What's it going to do? Then you have to have the courage to act on what you believe is going to happen. If you believe it's going down, well, don't buy anymore. But if you think it's going back up and it's likely to, and it's likely to continue to do so, you're going to have to either jump in now or just sit back and wait and wait and wait until you finally are kicking yourself in the butt and saying, look, I could have bought that one. I could have bought gold when it was 12.35 an ounce. I don't know what I was thinking about. Well, the folks in Greece are doing what they think is uh, important. Uh, ahead of their election, I believe their election is um, in about two weeks. 25th. 25th, yeah, a little less than two weeks. And um, so they're they're beginning to take control and showing how they might be voting. Yeah, they are. We've got a line, we've got a headline here. Greeks stop paying taxes ahead of elections as central bank scrambles to halt bank run rumors. All right. In what appears to be a desperate attempt to boost confidence in the failing financial system, taken right out of the 2011-2012 playbook, over the weekend the National Bank of Greece loudly announced that the situation with deposit outflows from the country was under control. Now, what does you know that's not true? It's like when it's it's when the government assures that they have complete confidence in somebody, that's generally a signal that he's not long for. He's not going to hold office much, much longer. It tried to reassure markets ahead of the 20, January 25th snap election um, that everything was okay. Don't, don't worry. Be happy. This January 25th snap election is going to determine which government is going, which party is going to control the Greek government thereafter. Will it be the current party that has held office for a while, or will it be the new Syriza party? which is against austerity and against repaying the Greek debt. Now, now in the midst of this, Greek tax remittances to government, which were almost non-existent to begin with, have ground to halt. The implication here is that the Greek people are voting with their tax payments. They're telling us how they're going to vote on January 25th. They don't want to pay the existing debt. By withholding their taxes from the Greek government, the people imply that when the snap elections take place on the 25th, that's in two weeks from now, the Greek Syriza party will win and the current Greek party will be defeated. And more importantly, once the new party Syriza comes in, 
they're presumably going to move to cause Greek to withdraw exit from the European Union. They're calling this Brexit, Greek exit. Whether the EU whether the European Union can survive the Brexit is debatable, but the EU will certainly be impaired as uh, Greece seeks to repudiate some or more of its 400 billion euro debt. Probably translates into, I don't know, 440, 50 uh, billion dollars. If they don't want to pay their debt, uh, I'm not sure how much they might be willing to pay, but they don't want to pay much of it. All of which says European Union has problems, and in another two weeks they'll have even more problems. Take a break for some commercial announcements. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought, nations have fought for it. It's been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Survival. What's next, Melody? Well, you were talking about that you thought, uh, you know, the Italy and Spain had an unemployment of 40%. Well, that's what I saw in one article I read earlier. 
don't know that for an absolute fact, but that means that if that's accurate information, that means both Spain and Italy are powder kegs waiting to waiting to explode. You can't have 40% unemployment. They're clearly in a depression. That's the implication. There's no question about it. 40% unemployment. You're in a depression. Um, if Greek, if the Greeks manage to exit the European Union, and they succeed in repudiating their, what, 300 billion, is that what I said, 300 billion euro, 400 billion euro debt, if they repudiate some or all of it, I'm going to guess that Italy, the people in Italy and the people in Spain are going to say, you know, that looks like a good idea to me. Let's cancel our debt, get out of this union, it's not doing us any good. Um... We were speculating during the break, could the powers that be force Greece to stay in the European Union? The answer is probably not. It depends on how close the election really is. If it turns out that the Theresa party wins by 51 to 49, <clears throat> or at least that's where it, it would be possible to maybe steal that election by controlling the electronic voting mechanisms or the ballots or however they're doing voting and however they vote in, in Greece. If it's a close election, it's possible to steal it. On the other hand, if it turns out that 60% of the Greek people are voting to get out of the European Union and 40% are against that idea, there's a 20% difference, and it strikes me that it would be extremely difficult for any government to falsify the election results where the Greek people would believe it. If 60% of them want out of the, of the European Union, you're going to have to just let them go. Because if you don't, they're going to riot, they're going to set fire to banks and public buildings, and I don't know what all is going to happen, but they want out. And if there's 60% of them who think we got to go, they're going to be, all right, fine. It's either that or impose some sort of military dictatorship. And I don't think anybody wants that. I don't even know if they can do it at this time. And I'm going to guess that something similar, you could make a similar observation concerning Italy and Spain. Depends how many people. If they see Greek, uh, Greece gets out of the European Union and Greece gets to cancel its enormous debt, both Italy and Spain are also in significant debt. They had a chance to cancel that debt, get out of the European Union, I think they, there's a good chance they'd want to do so. And if a significant percentage of the people of Italy and Spain said, that's it, we're out of here. Not, you know, not 51% as compared to 49%, as, as compared to 40%. 60% said, we're out of here. I don't think you can stop it. But we'll watch and see. I don't think that the Greece, the Greek exit, if it takes place, I don't think that all by itself is going to cripple the European Union. I don't think that the refusal to pay 400 billion euro or perhaps 200 billion euro, I don't think that's enough to put the European Union out of business. But it's going to happen at a time when they're clearly vulnerable. The European Union is under a great deal of financial stress right now. Um, it's not going to be good news. The question isn't so much, will Greece by itself be enough to take down the European Union? 
The question is whether Greece will set an example that will cause other countries, notably Italy and or Spain, one of them, both of them, say we're out of here. They can may, the European Union may survive the loss of Greece, but it survived the loss of Italy, but it survived the loss of Spain. Not necessarily Italy and Spain, but just one or the other. Look at it and you have to say, uh, yeah, interesting times. I'm not even so sure they could, could withstand even the loss of Greece as, as little as it might be. Nobody Certainly. knows. Yeah. yeah, we'll just wait and see. In two weeks, we'll know, yeah, short, right. or shortly thereafter. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder with what's going on in France. Certainly, you know, there was three days of nonstop news coverage of the situation that they had in France. And then, as yesterday, they had the millions that turned out. And it's um, to show they were not afraid of terrorists. And I couldn't figure out what that is all about, um, whether it was just a, a union of the New World Order to show. Well, it's because know, a couple of terrorists broke into a, a French Well, I get that, but I look for the deeper. Well, I get that, but I, I, I always look for a deeper meaning. Well, I think the deeper meaning here is this. It's not just about the people who got killed. It's about the French who are sick of seeing their country being invaded by foreign immigrants. This is, an, <laughs> this is an expression of nationalism. And it might not be that everybody in the country agrees with this, but I'm going to make you bet that this French nationalism underlies allegedly a million people marching through the streets. That's a pretty impressive, that's a pretty impressive number. This isn't just about 12 people got shot. No. Okay? But this is evidence that the French have had enough, and the immigrants are maybe not, they're not going to be more immigrants coming in, and there may be a lot of immigrants that are on their way out. And this is well, a yeah, part, the this reflects the, the idea jobs are disappearing in France. They're under enormous financial, they're under enormous financial stress, and they're looking at this immigrant, and they're figuring, this guy's got a job I could have. I agree with the people, but yet you have their leaders showing up along, participating. You have the guy, you had Netanyahu, you had the guy from Palestine. From, you, from didn't the, have, you, didn't like, have, you didn't have Barack Obama or Eric Holder. And I thought he was supposed to be replaced, Eric Holder, and he's still sitting around for months after he, he resigned. So, you know, I couldn't figure and the thing of it is, during all this reporting, I heard that there there are actually no-go zones in the outskirts of Paris where you have these Muslim territories that actually practice Sharia law. So you have this massive demonstration of solidarity or along with the politicians who created and who still want that immigration – and yet they do nothing about the problem with these no-go zones. Uh, well, they want to tear these nations apart. Absolutely. The biggest, the biggest obstacle to a new world order is nationalism. There are people in France who don't want to be part of Germany or part of England or part of Italy. They like being French. 
just as there are people in this country who really don't want to participate in a new world order and be welded to Mexico and Canada into some economic union and say, no, I like the United States of America. I want to be a, I want, that's what I want to be. This is something that they're trying to defeat. This is part of the reason for this massive immigration that takes place in Europe, takes place here in the United States. They are endeavoring to destroy one of the fundamental pillars of nationalism. And that is essentially the same race of people. I mean, for centuries, defined a nation as a single race, a single religion, a single language, a single culture on a limited territory. Those were basically the five pillars of a nation, a strong nation. They want to turn this nation into something that's been a mass of little nations. They want no-go zones. They don't want the state of Texas. They want a, an administrative district that's populated by little areas. And you got little Italy over here and little, little Algeria over here and someplace else. you got little Uganda. It destroys your capacity to act as a nation. It destroys your capacity to resist the new world order when you're busy struggling with, with people that are living just down the block from you. So I think see this. I see all of this push for immigration, illegal immigration. Governments around the world are doing it. I mean, what's happened to England? They've got a song, England isn't England anymore. That's what we're talking about, and they are working to destroy the cultures of the Western world by bringing people in from third world countries. And the reason they come is because their culture, their religion, their people are incapable of producing some sort of a semi-decent standard of living and some measure of prosperity. And they say, why don't we go to where these Western countries are, which Pat Buchanan, he was the first to make this observation, I don't know, six, eight, ten years ago, I'm not sure when, but in one of his books. He said when we talk about the Western world, what we're talking about is Christendom. We are ultimately talking, when we talk about the West, we are talking about those countries that were built on Christian values. And this is no small thing. The Muslims can't put a decent working society together that's likely to hold together. They are using a religion and a culture that has a lot of ancient attributes that are not conducive to an effective culture. You know, the Muslims, they were spectacular intellects back centuries ago. They invented algebra, and there were a number of really astonishing technologies they developed. They don't do that anymore. I've seen one report they only produced a couple dozen books in the last year. They're no longer an intellectual people. They're no longer capable of intellectual creativity. And there's reasons for that, and part of it is part of it goes to their faith. Um, one of the things about the Muslim faith, I mean, this is an enormous disability, and it's an enormous, it's, it's an incredible evidence that their faith is not valid. Prophet Muhammad married his first cousin. Ever since then, Muslim men have sought to marry their first cousins. And the result is that the Muslim population has been so inbred over centuries.
centuries. We're not talking about 50, 60 years. We're talking about several hundred years. But now they are genetically impaired. They can't hear as well. They're more prone to the in-depth, more prone to stillbirths, more prone to child deformities, more prone to disease, more prone to mental illness. It goes to breeding with their first cousins. <clears throat> this is a serious problem, and it may explain why they had been once profoundly intellectual and capable of great intellectual achievement. Now they can barely write books. It's evidence. It's hard to look at that. And this is reports of at least two studies out of Europe within the last three years, the genetic consequences of interbreeding in the, in the Muslim community. And this is no small thing. It impairs their ability to survive, to support themselves. Um, they become kind of a disease vector. And the point I wanted to make more than anything else is if God really favors the Muslim faith, why would he allow them to subject themselves to behavior that is caused them to be mentally and genetically impaired? You know, in the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, you don't marry your first cousins. It's been an established principle. It's not dogma out of the Bible. It's at least an established principle. You don't marry your first cousins. You need a little genetic diversity to keep getting stranger than circumstances are perhaps compelling us to be. But you don't marry your first cousins. We know that. Muslims don't. Why would God allow the Muslims to marry their first cousins if it were true that they were the chosen, you know, that was the chosen faith? Instead, they are the impaired faith. It becomes evidence that their faith is arguably false. We're out of time. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. I want to thank all of you for listening. We'll be back manana in the meantime with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 
97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Fighting soldiers from the sky, fearless men who jump and die, men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret. All right, everybody, welcome to Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and uh, everybody in the world maybe except the communists, are taken off. They had a big downgrade, uh, the S&P, a downgraded uh, Europe's credit rating from AAA to AA, and nobody cared. And so all the markets are closed because of Martin Luther King Day. And all the markets in America are closed, too. And it kind of shows that maybe we don't care what S&P does. They seem to have so much power. And it seems like uh, Spain and Portugal and Greece and Ireland, you know, you got 17 nations over there that are tied in very tightly economically. And so uh, when uh, you run a few of them down, like S&P did today, Spain and France, uh, they just don't care because they've got uh, 15 more nations that will stand in the Euro arena. And so, in one way, I'm kind of glad to see it, because uh, these uh, people who would make these kind of judgment calls out of a singular company, and you know very good and well that this uh, S&P works for somebody, you know, owes dues to somebody, favors to somebody. Listen, nothing in this money game is on the up and up. And so I think S&P sort of uh, got a back knuckle on this one. They downgraded uh, Spain and France, and everybody just went, oh, gosh, it's nice to have a day off with Martin Luther uh, King. Anyway, uh, we've got more news that there people are going ho-hum about, and that is that uh, Huntsman, former governor of Utah, and a uh, candidate uh, for the great white horse hero prophecy of Joseph Smith that would save the Constitution, albeit it hung by a thread uh, in the final days. Well, it won't be Huntsman because he has quit the presidential run now, and he has given all of his uh, backers, and donations to Mitt Romney. 
So it's one Mormon uh, helping out another, and Mitt Romney is still considered as the front runner by uh, the media. He is their anointed. And so it could be that Mitt Romney will be the great white horse hero, even though I doubt it. Mitt Romney comes from millions and millions of dollars made out of putting other companies out of business and restructuring them and then selling them for a profit. And uh, while his uh, company, uh, which is a shark, a giant white shark in the business uh, terms, uh, while his company has been brought up and discussed, uh, everybody looks around and says, well, if not uh, Romney, who else? Now, it'll be interesting because we have uh, yet to hear from South Carolina. There is uh, tonight uh, a debate, and the debate will be down to five now from where it uh, once stood at ten. So there will be fewer people to listen to. Fox will be running this one. And so you know that Fox uh, doesn't like uh, Ron Paul. So Ron Paul will probably uh, get fewer minutes to speak. But the problem that Ron Paul has had from the beginning is that he is an educator. Ron Paul is by profession a medical doctor. And Ron Paul has been a good medical doctor, meaning that he delivers children. And he has delivered in the thousands of children. So it's not just that he became a doctor and then suddenly uh, switched over uh, to politics. Ron Paul has been in Congress for 20 years, representing the great state of Texas. Now, Ron Paul has never voted for a tax increase. Other people cannot say that. They all will have excuses. Well, at that time, we needed to do this or that. Ron Paul's got no excuse. He has never voted for a tax increase, period. Now, Ron Paul gives back to the U.S. Treasury all the money that he has in surplus at the end of each year. And for an example, uh, this last week, Ron Paul gave back to the U.S. Treasury some $500,000. Now, do you know any other politician in public office that does this? Name me one, just one. There are 535 of them that are in the U.S. Congress. Ron Paul is just one, and he's the only one that is serious about cleaning up America. To Mitt Romney, this is a game, a game of politics. And Mitt Romney will do anything that it takes to win the game. Now, if he wins the game, he will go into the White House 
He will show off uh, his uh, beautiful wife. Uh, He will uh, meet with uh, Congress, and hopefully uh, the House of Representatives will still be run by the Republicrats, and possibly, maybe probably, the U.S. Senate will too. Now, one of the first things that uh, Romney will need to do is uh, declare war. Because when you declare war, then uh, the Congress nor the president, nobody can be really held responsible for the amount of money that is spent uh, since we have to win the war. Daddy Bush uh, declared war. Minnie Bush uh, declared war. Uh, We had war declared by Bill Clinton. Uh, We had war declared by Obama. I mean, everybody is going to declare war to get out of accountability. Now, it won't make any difference uh, whether Romney or Obama wins because the debt of the United States will continue to increase, and it will do so by greater and ever greater bounds, exponentially is the term. It is going up faster and faster until eventually we reach vertical and we reach an astronomical number that will force the United States to capitulate financially. Can I tell you something? It is the same fate that is guaranteed any country that uses a fiat money system. The fiat money system means that just like back in the days of the Rothschild, the banks ran the currency and credit of the various nations that they loaned to. I'm talking about the Rothschilds controlling those nations. And the Rothschilds didn't care about who won the wars as long as they financed both sides. And you had the Rothschild brothers who headed banks in Germany and in France and in England and in Italy, Spain, all over. They had the Rothschilds. And these Rothschilds uh, became rich through the House of Hesse and the House of Hanover, because these German families uh, furnished probably the best-trained, dedicated, professional warriors uh, in the world at the time. Who do you think America was fighting? Well, we said you just uh, shoot the redcoats, hide behind the trees, and get more of them than they get of us. That's what we did, but primarily we were fighting the House of Hesse and the House of Hanover. And if you look, you can see this incestuous relationship that assures that Europe is is doomed. And you can see by King George I. King George III is the one that we fought during the Revolutionary War. King George I could not speak a word of English. He was German. 
we see how the royal family uh, changes uh, its name so that it doesn't look uh, as if there is as much incest as there actually is. And so now we have the Economic Union of Europe, which uh, is a group which the United States is going to be compelled to join at least the ideology. There are 17 nations in the EU. All right, now, when America, and it won't be Romney's fault, and it's not Obama's fault, the fault is in the Federal Reserve. The only one of the candidates running, either when you know that Obama has no competition, so that counts for all the Democrats and the Republicans. Name me one Republican other than Ron Paul who would dare to say we must get rid of the Federal Reserve or America is doomed. Even the interest is borrowed. Just that should wake Americans up. But it won't until the American president, the American Congress, makes the statement, America is so deep in debt that we must do something drastic. It means that we must join this Federation of Nations, the EU. And what we will do is make a worldwide government so that we stop all this fussing and we can control organized crime. We can control the drug traffickers, the narco-terrorists. So we will make an Amero, which will be South America, Central America, North America, to include the United States and Canada. Now, that will join with Europe. And we will leave it up to China and Japan to get their house in order. And in as much as uh, they do, then we'll accept them into uh, this one world system. And what we'll do is we'll stop the different uh, nations, 193 of them now, we will stop all the different currencies. Because uh, in Costa Rica, you've got uh, 10,000 colonists uh, equal to about $20. Uh, in Japan, of course, uh, you've got uh, their yen is a different. In Thailand, the bot has different. And so we need to, to aid and promote world trade. We need to have a single currency, and so that there isn't any uh, counterfeiting, there isn't any hoarding, we will revert to a single source of uh, money, if you will, and to ensure that this is not controlled by organized crime or to 
assure that there is no criminal element to it, it will all be electronic. So the government and these uh, governments, the 17 countries of the Economic Union of Europe and uh, the nations that will join in the Amero and the uh, Asiatic system, what does this equal? This equals the Trilateral Commission, Europe, Asia, the Americas. This Trilateral Commission was started by Zygmunt Brzezinski, who was the National Security Advisor to Jimmy Carter. Now, the Trilateral Commission was part of uh, this international organization that everybody is aware of. It has 4,000 members. It is a global governance. It was paid for by the Rockefellers. It was headquartered in New York. Now, Zygmunt Brzezinski's Trilateral Commission was an accelerator pump for the Trilateral Commission. It was moving too slow. And so Zygmunt Brzezinski stepped on the accelerator with these Asian, European, American. There were only 400 members, period. And the whole idea was to have a World Trade Commission. Do we have a World Trade Commission? We do. Now, all that it lacks is to be sort of merged together. The one thing that will assure that, we will be happy to rush toward this uh, united world, one world, one nation, one citizen. Oh, if I could only teach the world to sing. I mean, we'll have a commission. We'll have a one-world a system for Medicare. They will have a one-world system for education. There will be a single governance that will have a single uh, New World Order monetary system. The government will run everything so that there will be no criminal element that can uh, insert itself by cheating on income tax, by selling things that are illegal, by having a drug cartel, murdering 13,000 people, such as the Mexican drug cartel did uh, in 2011, 13,000 innocent people. And so won't this be wonderful? And suddenly we will have a leader that will emerge. This leader will seem to have a solution for all of the major problems of the world. This one leader will not be a Canadian or a Scot. Uh, he will not be a Dutchman or a German or an Italian or a Chinese. He will be an international figure, one acclaimed by all the world. And this leader will say, 
let's truly make this a world of one nation, one citizen, where the entire world can go, where the entire world can work, where the entire entire world can build and progress so that we're not fighting each other, so there's no competing countries that might stifle another. Oh, my goodness. Such a wonderful thing. And then what let's do is something that no one else has done since the beginning of the world. Let us make a pure cashless system. And all we'll need, everyone can be identified by a unique number. That number is assigned at birth, and the number remains uh, with the human being regardless of nationality, regardless of religion, will remain with that person until they die. And that number will be so simple. It will be something electronic that if you want to buy offline, all you'll need to do is just simply scan or type in your number and automatically your debit account, which everything has to go now uh, through almost everything, through the banks in direct deposit. You know, when I uh, speak uh, as a guest speaker at Quantico, which is the FBI's uh, academy, they only pay, they only reimburse through a direct deposit system. Every one of the federal government branches now, from the Veterans Department to the Defense Department to you name it, is encouraging everyone direct deposit, direct deposit. And so eventually you will only be able to receive credits from the controller government through direct deposit. And you will be able to access and withdraw using your number, which is unique to you. No one else will have that number. And you'll be able to access through Internet You'll be able to go to Sam's Club, for example. Take anything you want. As they go through, they will scan the items, which all have the barcode. And then at the end, you'll be able to put forth your hand. It'll be your right hand because we want to be politically correct. In the world, outside the United States, in many places, they use the right hand for all good things. They use the left hand, much like America used to use corn cobs. Well, you wouldn't offer a corn cob that you'd had behind you in the smallest room of your home with a a moon carved in the door. You wouldn't extend that to a friend uh, when you go meeting. So you, everything good is on the right hand. That means your mark 
right hand. That way it would be scanned. Now, let's say because there are people in the world who uh, have, because of accident or a birth defect, you don't have a right hand. But everybody has a head, and so if there is no right hand, which will make it very convenient, then it's not uh, inconvenient at all. You just take the wand, and you just uh, be able to move across the wand, across their uh, forehead, and voila, there you are. You now have uh, yourself scanned. All right, we're going to, and by the way, you can read all about this in the Revelation, in the Bible. It's the last book. And we're going to take just a couple of minutes right now and listen to uh, our American Voice Radio. We'll be right back with you. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Survival of the fittest. In any and all situations, survival is your number one priority. That requires being tough and thinking smart. And the folks at Freeze-Dry Guy are going to help you do just that. They have a long-range patrol ration entrees, what they call the Brick Pack. When you're in survival mode, it is absolutely the best item for your survival pack or bug-out bag. You can go farther, faster, and carry more food with the LRP cold weather ration entrees. Not only do these long-lasting, durable entrees help sustain you or your family through the harshest environment or situation, they are by far the most delicious of their kind. No contest. With a variety of tasty entrees, you can't beat the LRP Brick Packs. Let Freeze-Dry Guy help you in your survival situations. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? 
Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of liposodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at FordSpectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Sarah, his wife, 
used to not be Sarah, but was Sarai, and when, because she thought she was too old to have a child, and she got Abram in trouble, actually, because Hagar was an Egyptian handmaiden of Sarah's. And so when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, Sarah thought to herself, well, I'm too old. I am must, it must be God's plan that uh, I uh, give my husband to know biblically uh, Hagar that she might bear him a son because, see, that makes all the sense. And so that's what happened. And Ishmael is the firstborn of Abraham through Hagar. But God says that that is not where my covenant is. He intended fully for Sarai to bear a child. And the child's name was Isaac. And it led to what? It led to jealousy and hatred because now Sarah noticed that Abraham was paying more attention to Hagar because, my gosh, uh, he had slept with her. She had given him his firstborn, Ishmael. And so Sarah now wants Abraham to throw Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert. Now, I live in the desert, and if uh, someone uh, wasn't allowed uh, to have water and food and cover, uh, it gets cold at night. It gets very hot in the daytime. There are predators out there that depend upon the weak to provide them with food. And so no doubt, well, Abraham went to God, and God advised him, you probably should listen to your wife. Well, why all this trouble? I mean, how did this thing start? So it's an interesting adventure and one that uh, you should be glad to read because here is a man named Abraham that you don't want to mess with. Now, first of all, with Ishmael and with Hagar, they get tossed out. If you can imagine, this would be pretty tough for a man to look at a woman that had given him his firstborn son, Ishmael, and tell them out and know that they are likely to die. Well, what happened is God sent an angel the angel spoke to Hagar and said, because Hagar knew to pray to God. She had witnessed Abraham do this time and time again. And so Hagar uh, gets down and prays to God, and an angel appears to Hagar and says, don't worry about Ishmael. He will be the father of a people. 
Whoa. Well, who could this people possibly be? The Arabs? Yeah. More numerous than the sands of the sea, they have a birth rate of 8 to 1. That's in the 21st century, (laughs) a birth rate of 8 to 1, which is greater than any other. And the angel tells Hagar that Ishmael will be a wild man in the face of all others. Is that not what the Arabs are today? Do they not appear to be wild men in the face of the Europeans, in the face of the Americans? All right, so we see that God's Bible way back, thousands of years ago, and where do we find Christ? Well, it's interesting because these kings feel Abraham's nephew and his family, and Abraham goes after them. This is kind of like the U.S. prisoners of war. They are stolen by our enemies in Asia, and we left them there. Well, Abraham wasn't about to see his nephew to be stolen by these kings, so he takes his people, that means the slaves that worked for him, it meant his family members, And they went in pursuit, and they punished these kings so greatly that not only did they end up getting Abraham's kin back, but these kings also paid him a tribute just to leave him alone. Now, we don't see much about Melchizedek in the Old Testament. But we see where Abraham pays a tithe to the great priest, Melchizedek. Now, I would venture to say, and I've studied the Bible uh, for decades, seeking the truth. And uh, when you get into the New Testament, you will find that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is Melchizedek. Who do you think could possibly have been? If we have the word who works the plan that the Father makes, then do you think that Melchizedek could probably be Jesus Christ in that time that Abraham calls the great and high priest, and then later the priesthood of Jesus Christ is the Melchizedek priesthood. Very interesting, I find. And you can see now where all of the prophecies are coming together. Should we be happy about this, or should we wish that we were born much earlier? back when all the water was kind of uh, dirty, because, you know, it came out of hand-dug wells and this kind of stuff. Frankly, I think that God has graced us 
to be born at this time. Now, it isn't going to be easy. So far, it has been a land of milk and honey. During the break, as always happens, I like talking to Frank Steppen, who's the owner and operator of American Voice Radio, and we were talking about how now we travel all over the earth. Uh, we can do this, uh, you know, through electronics. I mean, they have Google now, Google Earth. If you want to see uh, what the Wailing Wall looks like in current-day Jerusalem, you just type in Jerusalem and all of a sudden you'll see the globe on your screen, Al Gore's Internet. It spins around to where the country of Israel and Jordan are shown and Egypt, and then it'll zoom in and there will be Jerusalem and there will be the Wailing Wall. And you can bring it in just like you are a bird on high looking down, and you can see everything. It's amazing. As a matter of fact, I was interested in going back and and recreating a murder scene that took place out here where I live in Sandy Valley. So I was able, using Google Earth, to go back to the year, the month, and I thought I was going to be able to go to the day, and actually all that Google Earth would show me was one week. (laughs) Within one week of the very same day of a murder, I was able to go back to the scene of the crime, and there was everything exactly the way it was. Now, tell me that uh, we don't have uh, an extraordinary capability today of rushing to and fro just like the Bible tells us. And because of the extreme debt, you can see, I mean, we uh, you don't need to be a, a math master. You can just be a third grader, and you can see how without anybody's fault. It's just this fiat money system. Anyone. You could have Netanyahu, who was born in New York City, as current uh, head of the Israeli government, bring him back. Make him the president. And our debt would double and redouble in the next couple of years to the point where there would be so much pressure that our nation will be crushed and we're going to be forced to try and enjoin ourselves uh, with the world so that we can come up with a world global solution so that it won't be the S&P just uh, downgrading Spain and France like they did today. This is going to happen, friends. Now, when it does happen, it says very clearly in Revelation, and you know there are a couple of things that uh, aren't forgivable. If you will, look in the Bible, look under the term perdition, and you will see that 
the sin of perdition, which is to deny the truth of the Holy Spirit. It is an unforgivable sin. If you receive a, a we people, a lot of times uh, in what you watch uh, Christian television, you'll see people there say, I saved 50,000 people on my mission in Africa. Uh, I converted and we baptized uh, 3,000 people. And, you know, this happened on the Pentecost when the apostles were gathered when Christ had just ascended 10 days before. Now, uh, is that the truth? The truth is that we don't convert. We don't save anyone. The Holy Spirit is what converts and what saves, and it is by the grace of God. But let me uh, show you something, and if you don't pass this test, it means maybe you have some more work to do. If you are converted, if you say, I am a Christian, I accept God's uh, great gift of love, that of his son, whose love was so great that he gave his life, because that's what the Father requested of him. And in John, you'll see such a sweet verse. No greater love hath a man than this, that he be willing. And I think it, it should mean this. He should be willing to lay down his life for his friends. And, of course, Christ did lay down his life for us. So if you say, I have accepted Jesus Christ, I've accepted his atonement, I am saved, I'm redeemed, I am converted, and your life has changed. You no longer curse. It seems easy for you to choose the right, the things that God has asked us to do. Then the Holy Spirit has, without a doubt, come into your life has converted you. Your life has changed. But I say to you, my brother, my sister, <laughs> I wrote a book, My Brother's Keeper, and truly we are our brother's keeper. If your life has not changed, if you still have the same old wicked habit, and let's say, for example, that you're a Catholic, and so you make it routine. Every Saturday you go to confession, and you say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been uh, one week since my last confession. Since then I've committed these sins. I've committed the sin of adultery. I have used uh, God's name in vain. I have not kept uh, the Sabbath uh, holy. I have stolen from uh, my friend. I have lied under oath. Uh, you go through these things that maybe would be routine, and the priest says, all right, now, uh, we've got to try and do our best here. Uh, let's uh, make a good uh, act of contrition, 
And for your penance, I want you to say ten uh, Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. And now you uh, make the sign of the cross. You get up. uh, You go. You kneel before the Virgin uh, there in beautiful plaster of Paris in whatever church you're in. And you begin to say as quickly as you can, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, with thee, blessed are thy mouth, one of the blood of Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. And then you go over after ten times, and you kneel before Joseph, uh, that is in a beautiful plaster of Paris form, and you say as quick as you can, Our Father who art in heaven, I will be thy name. And uh, you get up, you walk out, and you say, Now I am free, free of sin, until you meet uh, little Mary or Josephine that night, and as a married man, you commit adultery. Oh, it's all right. I'll be going to, uh, you see, your life has not changed. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care who did the baptisms. I don't care what words were said over you. Until you are changed, friend, you still have work to do. Now, Brother Falwell and I were on the dais in Oklahoma City at the same Baptist church, and he gave a beautiful uh, sermon on just one verse in Timothy about being a good soldier. Now, when it was over, uh, Brother Falwell and I uh, got up, and we left the dais before the prayer was over. That way, when people opened their eyes, you know, Elvis had left the building, and so there were about 1,600 people there. Uh, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars collected uh, for Brother Falwell. Now, in the room where all the cash was being shoved into hefty bags, Brother Falwell wrote out a $5,000 check to Brother Vineyard, who was the pastor uh, at the Baptist church there, and said, Thank you, Brother Vineyard. I'll come back any time. Brother Vineyard said, thank you, Brother Falwell. And I could barely get in my question. And I said, Brother Falwell, before you leave, he said, hurry up, Bo, I'm in a hurry. And I said, yes, sir, I can tell that. I just got to ask you one thing. Let's say somebody uh, is baptized. They say they accept Christ. And then all of a sudden, their whole life turns uh, to ugly sin, where they a, they break every commandment, uh, they commit murder, they're an arsonist, they're a liar, a thief. And he said, Bo, just one thing, John 3.16, and that is once you're saved, you're saved forever. Nothing can undo that. No matter what you do, you are going to heaven, John 3.16. And that was it. He was out the door. And I was left to think that Brother Falwell was just another one of the preachers who gave a good story, who collected a lot of money, and who may very possibly be on the left side of Christ where he looks and says, I never knew you. So what I'm saying is that we have some tough times coming ahead If you accept the mark of the beast, please read in Revelation. It's not not a large book. The last book of the Bible, it says, if you accept that mark, then the smoke from your torment will arise.
denying the truth of the testimony of the Holy Spirit, it is unforgivable. Now, if you accept the sign of the mark of the beast, then your smoke is going to arise forever and ever. You may say, well, Bo, God would want me to have my Social Security. God would want me to be able to have a job, pay utilities. God would want me to have a, to be able to, uh, to draw my retirement. Friends, it is clear. Now, what we have done is I have kept a promise. In 1992, November, the election was over. I didn't expect to win the presidency of the United States. Had I, it would have been simple. My plank was the Constitution of the United States. That means no Federal Reserve. It means no IRS. It means no foreign payments. It means that our soldiers defend the borders of the United States. It's just like Ron Paul. Now, certainly I did not win, didn't expect to, but I was able to give a testimony, and I gave it to more than 10,000 people at one place at one time across the United States. And then I even gave away and it was called Spike, Specially Prepared Individuals for Key Events. And I trained them in 42 months so that they could be, you can be, as self-reliant as anyone who has been awarded a Green Beret, which means that you don't have to fear totalitarianism or tyranny. It means you don't have to take a mark of the beast. It means that you can prepare and be able to live outside of the compliance and the control of the government without a mark. But are you going to be willing? And so it doesn't make any difference. Remember how God warns you it's better not to pray that you not be a woman in travail during this testing period. We live in a nation of milk and honey right now. We go on cruises. We don't have selectors uh, on our television. We wouldn't dare get up and try to change the channel. We just got something that's got 250 channels right there in our hand. All right, so I want you to think about the things that I have said and consider what you're going to do about it, personally, grassroots, and in this vote coming up for President of the United States. I think Ron Paul is the only one that has actually been given the seal of God's approval. Think about it, and with God's grace, I'll be back to talk to you more tomorrow. Stay with American Voice Radio, please. When the Green Train to live off nature's land. Trained in combat, hand to hand. Men who fight by night and day. Courage takes from the green beret. Silver wings upon the chest.
radio network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
And welcome to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Today is Monday, January 12, 2015. It is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust your clocks accordingly. My, isn't that egocentric of me? <laughs> anyway... I'm your host, Emroy Ben Chandler, constitutional counselor and still all-around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. And this is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we, of course, do give that exemption to those agents of the government and those from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center and other people of that same ilk because, after all, if we required them to think, that would create a hostile work environment, and we don't want to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You go to www.theamericanvoice.com, use the appropriate number, and, well, call in. Or if you're the shy kind and don't want to actually speak uh, directly, you can send an instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger. The ID is... KC7AQK. As is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages. <coughs> Excuse me. Otherwise known as the dead white guy quote There are men running governments who shouldn't be allowed to play with matches. Quote Thank you, Will Rogers. I couldn't have said it better myself. And after you hear about some of these <clears throat> men running government today, you will understand what Will was talking about. Okay, we have 23 pages in the show newsletter, your calls, instant messages, and a little explanation for why I almost packed in the show today. And we'll get to all of that right after, or as much as we can, uh, after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Remember, my friends, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it just like you can by asking questions. Okay, as I said, I was about ready to pack it in this morning and just send a message to Frank and say, screw it, I'm not doing a show today because I... I I've been a little depressed this past weekend, and let me tell you why I've been on a, just a little bit in a funk this past weekend. 
Saturday would have been my father's 80th birthday. And I got to thinking about that over the weekend and thinking about all that and how much I missed him. And it just, it, it just, it just kind of got to me, you know, and I, I apologize, but you know what? I looked at the huge amount of information that I had today and I'm going, there's no way in heck I can put this off for a week because then I'll be so backlogged with stuff. I mean, I already have half a show for next week already crying out loud. Hello? (laughs) Could I back all this stuff up on the next week? No, I couldn't. That was more depressing than anything else. So I pulled my head out of the clouds and and said, you know what? I got to get to it. And I did. So let's start with a statement. A statement. Remember those men who shouldn't be playing with matches Mm -hmm. that Will Rogers talked about? Let's start out with a statement from Representative Raul R. Labrador. And here's what he had to say on his Facebook page. He says, read my full statement on why I voted for Speaker Bonehead today. Okay, he didn't say Bonehead, but that's the affectionate name that we've given him here on this show. He says, today... (laughs) A straight face. It is going to take every ounce of energy and concentration that I have to say this with a straight face. Are you ready? This guy is writing it with a straight face, and that should scare the ever-loving crap out of you, okay? Here we go. Today, I made a difficult decision in voting for John Boehner for Speaker of the House. Many constituents from Idaho contacted me to let me know that I should not support him. I want them to know that I did not make this decision lightly. I share the view of the majority of my constituents who are deeply frustrated by the way the House has run the last four years. I understand that many of my most loyal supporters are angry with my vote. I ask them to remember that for the last four years I have stood tall for the conservative cause again my friends it is all I can do to contain myself here okay he carries on in December I opposed the end of year spending bill by opposing both the rule and final passage last year I ran for majority leader of the house when no one else was willing to stand up against the establishment in Washington. And every time over the past four years that the Speaker ignored the views of the Republican majority and the voice of the American people, I opposed him. In 2013, I led the effort to oust Speaker Boner from his leadership post. At that time, we had sufficient votes, votes to be successful, but at the last minute, several members changed their votes Keywords here. I'm sorry. Keywords. Think about that. At the last minute, several members changed their votes to support Boner. This year was different. Cough, cough. This year was different. 
even after 25 Republicans opposed the Speaker, we still needed 12 more votes. Cough, cough. These votes were simply not there to defeat the Speaker. Bigger cough, cough. I think it's unwise to marginalize yourself when there is no cough, cough, chance for victory, which was the case, cough, cough, today. Sorry, I, I, I can't do it. Cough, cough. You know what I'm coughing? I'm coughing up the crap he's trying to pour down my throat, my friends, and you should be too. This is infuriating. Before I cast my vote for Boner, he continues. I spoke with him multiple times. I'm sure he did. He assured me, I'm, sh- I'm sure he did, that he wants to change the way the house is run. Oh, I'm sure he said that too. He cited my successful efforts last August in bringing conservatives together to pass two bills that would have secured the border and prevented Obama's illegal executive actions. He asked for my help in moving the House in a more conservative direction and (coughs) sorry, promised that this would be a model for how he'll conduct himself oh, wow, a model for how he'll conduct himself as Speaker in the 114th Congress. My vote for Boner was not an endorsement of his past leadership. Just as I have done during my first two terms in office, I will continue to fight for the American people and hold our leadership accountable. Are you buying this, my friends? That's the end of his statement. Are you buying this? I'll tell you, I'm not buying it. Not at all. Why? Well, let's look the very first thing that came up the next day. <clears throat> Headline. Boner moves to punish dissenters despite past statements. <clears throat> Where's Gomer Pyle when you need him? Surprise! 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 He's going to punish dissenters. I don't blame him. He's directly and approximately responsible for us having had, um, uh, what's his face, Um, you know, the idiot from Arizona. Oh, yeah, McCamesty. There we go. That was McShamesty. That's right. Directly and approximately responsible for us having McShamesty as the inept, lame brain idiot running for president against B.O. last time. Why? Oh, you don't remember? Well, some of you remember. I'm sorry. For those of you that do remember, wonderful. I applaud you. I applaud you. Wonderful. But there are some out there who are scratching their heads going, huh, what's he talking about? Let me remind you. Boner was the one who changed the rules at the Republican convention after the game had started and made it so that Ron Paul, who had sufficient votes to do a brokered convention, was kicked out and ignored. Like I say, he changed the rules. It was Boner that did that, my friends. So when he says that he's going 
that he's not going to punish people. And then we find out the next day he's going to punish people. Hello? Republicans who voted against his re-election Tuesday, despite previously saying he would not do so. Shock of shocks. Representative Daniel Webster and Richard Nugent are both losing their seats on the House Rules Committee. Political reported Tuesday morning, both Florida Republicans voted for Webster instead of Boner earlier in the day. Such moves seem to surprise, surprise, surprise Boner and his office. Asked last week if any Republicans who voted against Boner would be punished, spokesman Michael Steele told the Daily Caller by email, quote, Boner has said publicly that there will be no retribution for no vote, end quote. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure he meant that in September. USA Today reported that Boner, quote, shot down fresh rumors that he will face a revolt from conservatives when he seeks a third term as speaker in January, and he dismissed suggestions that his leadership team would strip committee assignments from any GOP lawmaker who voted against him, end quote. Uh-huh. Right. Hang on a second here, my friends. i got to smack this tongue out of my cheek. It's stuck and it's making it difficult to talk. Oh! Man, that hurt. Oh. <sighs> yeah, in case you can't tell, I'm just a little incensed here. And if you're not incensed, why aren't you? Really, seriously. Texas Representative Lee Gomer, who voted for himself for Speaker on the Tuesday, called Boner a sore winner, citing the reported punishments. Quote, after being told that we should now all come together and work together, we have been told late today that two of our congressmen are being taken off the committee that were on simply for voting like their voters wanted, Gomert said in a Tuesday statement. He concluded by saying, so it appears before we can work together, we are now going to have another fight. It would be a shame if the Speaker of the House, who has so much power, is a sore winner, end quote. Actually, I think he, he misspoke here. Go, go misspoke. He should have actually said a sore whiner. You know, that would have been a little bit more accurate. Uh, but I know where he's going, and I understand. I'm just really, really riled up over this, okay? Well first time. Huh. I hope this doesn't surprise you. Not the first time Boner has been accused of taking away committee assignments from <clears throat> disloyal Republicans. No. In 2012, Michigan Representative Justin Amish and Kansas Rep Tim Coolscamp lost seats on the House Budget Committee. Arizona Representative David Schweikirk and North Carolina Representative Walter Jones were also booted from the Financial Services Committee. Now, Webster, who is being kicked off the Speaker's Powerful Rules Committee, 
won a surprising 12 votes to replace Boner on Tuesday. Now, the article concludes with the names of the 25 that voted against Boner. And while it wasn't enough, because of <clears throat> last-minute uh, uh, revolts, yeah, right, so the guy that I quoted earlier talked about, oh, you know, last-minute revolts, yeah, right, and he was one of them, hello. Um, I have a little historical fact for you, my friends. This is the first time in like 80 years or 100 years, something like that, that there's been this much of a, of a majority against a sitting speaker, no matter what their party. That's a big daggum deal. 25 of them, and they didn't need 12 more. That's a lie. They only needed a few more to force Boner off. Well, the Politico has reported that, quote, more punishment is likely to come for others that crossed Boner, end quote. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I can't stand more. So let's talk about something else that will also... Get your blood boiling. Here we go. You know, it, this story, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. This is okay. You know why it's okay? Because, well, he's a cop. That's why it's okay. Yeah, right. A guy who attacked a female worker is a hulking brute. But, oh, wait. Oh, oh, he's a cop. Never mind. He's not a hulking brute anymore. No. The New York Daily News told the story of a man who assaulted a 28-year-old female transit worker at a New York City subway station. The man, described as a thug and a hulking brute, according to the New York Daily News, grabbed her, hugged her, knocked her to the ground, and began choking her before another MTA employee chased him away. When this narrative underwent, then it went, an curious transformation. Very curious. In a subsequent story, editors abandoned the frightening descriptors and reframed the tale in a passive voice. No longer had a hulking brute, this is a quote from the original story, hulking brute grabbed 28-year-old MTA employee, end quote. No, no, no. Rather, it became the MTA employee, quote, was allegedly put into a bear hug, end quote. Well, what changed? Authorities ID'd the perp. Discovered he was a cop. Hmm. Wonkit's Shrill, which is a blog, made note of the differences in their reporting, saying the hilarious coda to this story is the treatment of this story in the news by the New York Daily News. Here's the headline from the story they wrote before they knew that the culprit was a police officer. Bug attacks, female MTA employee at Brock's train station. See the video. And here's the lead to that story. <clears throat> a hulking brute grabbed a 28-year-old MTA employee in a bear hug at a Bronx train station, shoved her onto the platform, and began choking her in an unprovoked attack, then ran away smiling, authorities said Wednesday. 
well. The story after they found out that the culprit was a police officer, the headline read, New York PD cop turns himself in for attacking female MTA employee. And the lead for the revised story read, police officer Mirjin Lolja, 37, was suspended after an assault in which the Metropolitan Transportation Authority worker, who was on duty and in her uniform, was allegedly put into a bear hug, thrown to the floor, and choked, cops said, end quote. Absolutely crystal clear. are two different stories. And it's fair, of course, in a way, to present the accused person's side of the story, as the news does in its second piece, but the stark differences between the two stories make clear the incredible double standard of reporting on the public's misdeeds versus reporting on police misdeeds. Many in the media possess just, they may be justified, even when police actions would be considered horrifying if carried out by anyone not wearing a bat. Well, mm-hmm. he's been suspended, of course. We call this actually a paid vacation, you see, and is facing an internal investigation where we know what the outcome will be. How do we know? Well, history tells us what that's going to happen. Uh, and of course, he isn't facing any charges yet. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Even though assaulting an MTA officer is a felony. Yeah, one rule for the rulers and another for the ruled, it seems. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, now, from the spineless to the lawless to the idiot supporting, we go to someone with a spine. How about that for a refreshing change of pace? Mia Love, quote, I was elected to do everything I can to repeal and replace Obamacare. Mm -hmm. Representative Mia Love, a Republican from Utah, stated unequivocally that she was elected by my district to do everything I can do to repeal and replace Obamacare. Her strong statement came in response to a question. From Martha Raddatz on ABC News' This Week, in a skeptical tone, she repeated Senator Cruz's plan, quote, to do everything humanly possible to stop Obamacare, end quote. She said, quote, look, I was elected by my district to make sure that we get the decision-making back in their hands. And I said I was going to do everything I can to repeal and replace it with something that is functional, with broad health care reforms, free market health care reforms, and that's exactly what I'm going to do, end quote. Now, my friends, in case you don't know this, Neo Love is the first, <clears throat> dare we say it, black Republican woman elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, the first black Republican woman, and she represents Utah's 4th Congressional District, and she seems to have something that some of these other people 
don't have a spine. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I don't have time to to, to hear now, but when we come back, I'm going to tell you a story about how we are being schooled on the Constitution by a Brit. By a Brit. It's really sad when we have to be schooled on it by a Brit. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the www.thepowerherbs.com. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch at Mission Church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children, once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or 
or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 
the rich legacy of personal liberty that is everyone's birthright and is expressly articulated in the Declaration of Independence and guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. Guinness, the author of more than a dozen books defending traditional Judeo-Christian values and Jeffersonian personal liberty, <clears throat> argued that we should embrace individual liberty and personal dignity and reject the no-givens, no-rules, no-limits government that we now have. He went on to opine that the government today is not the constitutionally restrained protector of personal freedoms the framers left us but rather has become the wealth-distributing protector of collective interests the Founding Fathers never could have imagined. Yet the problem is a deep one. The Framers believed in the presumption of liberty, which declares that we are free to make personal choices, and the government cannot interfere with our liberties unless we violate the rights of others. Stated a little differently, the federal government cannot interfere with our personal choices by writing any law it wants. It can only regulate behavior or spend money when the Constitution authorizes it to do so. But for the last 100 years, I would say actually it's been a bit more than 100 years, but this is what the judge has to say, okay? For the past 100 years, the federal government has rejected the Madisonian concept that it is limited to the, <clears throat> get this, my friends. Actually, let me put it, she has a question first. Exactly how many powers are given in the Constitution and delegated to the federal government. Hmm? How many? Take a number, hold it in your mind. Are you ready? Let's see how close you are. Sixteen discrete powers the Constitution delegates to the government. But it has claimed this government its powers are unlimited, subjected only to the express prohibitions in the Constitution. And those prohibitions can be gotten around since government liars have persuaded federal courts to rule that Congress can spend tax dollars or borrowed money on any project it wishes, whether authorized by the Constitution or not. The courts have even authorized Congress to use federal tax dollars to bribe the states into enacting laws that Congress is powerless to enact, and Congress has done so. The Declaration of Independence defines our personal liberties as <clears throat> in inalienable. Wrong, judge. The word is unalienable. Sorry, Fail. You got that one wrong. Unalienable. It means the exact opposite of inalienable. They, uh, if you don't understand why I'm saying that, then you need to 
go back and look at some of the past shows I've done or just start to do a little search yourself to find out. Anyway, but it defines our personal liberties as unalienable and aspects of our humanity and the Constitution prohibits the government from interfering with those liberties like thought, speech, association, worship, self-defense, travel, privacy, due process, use of money, private property, just to name a few of these founding documents. It said our liberties are natural. Their source is not the government. And they are personal, not collective. We don't need a government permission slip to exercise them. We don't need to belong to a group to enjoy them. They cannot be taken away by a congressional vote or a presidential signature or a call on a cell phone to, you know, quote something here recently. I've got a pen and a cell phone, right? Even though everyone who works for the government takes an oath to uphold the Declaration and the Constitution, very few are consistent with what they have sworn to do. We know this because on the transcendental issues of our day, you know, life, liberty, war, and debt, you know, just these little things, the leadership of both political parties and the behavior of all modern presidents have revealed a steadfast willingness to write any law and regulate any behavior or permit any evil, whether authorized by the Constitution or not. Let's take one, shall we? Let's take one. Let's take life. Yeah, abortion is the most deadly force in America today. Why? Because abortions lawfully kill a baby a minute. That's 1.1 million babies a year and 45 million killed since the Supreme Court issued its Roe versus Wade decision in 1973. A simple one-line statute after that decision, quote, the fetus in the womb is a legal person, end quote. That's it. It could have enacted that by a simple majority vote in Congress, signed into law by any one of our so-called pro-life presidents, and thus stopping the slaughter. Did it happen? Well, you know the answer to that. Take liberty. Both parties, both, support the Patriot Act and the secret FISA apparatus which together invade privacy, infringe on concrete speech, permit federal agents to write their own search warrants, and allow domestic spying on all of us all the time. This demonstrates that our political leaders do not believe that our rights are, and here he goes using that word again, inalienable. It's, it's unalienable, Judge, but can be interfered with and regulated by them. They have written laws that literally permit federal agents to do the very acts the Constitution was written to prohibit. Take the lethal combination of war and debt. And yes, it is a lethal combination. And why? Listen, both parties support perpetual war and perpetual debt. The leadership of both parties has permitted every modern president to kill whoever he pleases in foreign countries without lawful declarations of war 
and to do so by going into a $17 trillion hole of debt with no end in sight. And was the last constitutionally lawful declaration of war. No, it wasn't Vietnam. Oh, it wasn't Korea. No, it wasn't Grenada. No, it wasn't South Africa. No, it wasn't Afghanistan. No, it wasn't Iran. Iraq, Iraq, excuse me, the first or the second time. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, today, get this, my friends. Today, 20 cents of every tax dollar collected goes to paying interest, just interest, on pre-existing government debt. Today's taxpayers are still paying interest on the $30 billion that Woodrow Wilson borrowed to finance World War I in 1917. Not principal, interest. This wasn't impeached yet. Well, this British author is correct. Unless we have a radical change in the direction of government, its size, its cost, its focus, its intrusiveness, and rejection of first principles, and unless we elect people to the government who truly believe the Declaration and Constitution mean what they say and say what they mean, well, we will continue our march toward the federal destruction of the presumption of liberty. It is a slow march, but it is. There you go. That is a sad day when we have to be schooled on the Constitution. Grit. Oh. I tagged this one here, my friends. I put little tags when I'm when I'm searching through various news stories and I read things. I'm like. Yeah, I need to share this on Monday. In one way or another, I need to share this. So I put little tags to help remind me of why I'm I'm putting this little thing in there, right? And the tag I gave for this one is just real simple. OMG, this is unbelievable. Yeah, the White House says America needs to redouble the effort to explain the true Tenets of Islam. Yeah. Right. The Weekly Standard reports that the White House Press Secretary, Josh Ernst, explained to reporters that the United States need to redouble efforts to explain, quote, what the tenets of Islam actually are, end quote. He made the comments in response to a question about how the U.S. might respond to the terror attack in France. A reporter asked, on the U.S. response to the attack in France, is the U.S. concerned about any risk here from this group or similar groups, and is there any plan to raise threat levels or anything like that in response to the attack in France, end quote. Are you ready for the response, my friends? Here it comes. 
you might want to bend over and use some Vaseline. And yes, I mean to be that shocking in my language because I want you to really get the full impact of this. Are you ready? Here it comes. Quote, I'll say a couple things about that. The first is, as it relates to the threat level, this is a decision that's made by the Secretary of Homeland Security, that he makes a decision about raising or lowering the terror threat level based on available intelligence. I don't know of any plans to make a change to the terror threat level, but I would encourage you to check with the Department of Homeland Security to verify that. End quote. That's what Ernst said, according to a transcript provided by the White House. Mm-hmm. I feel so much better now. Oh, he's really on the job, you know? You know, just, just check with Homeland Security. Yeah. Oh, boy. He went on to say, well, what I can tell you, oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, so he couldn't tell us now, but now he's going to tell us. Okay, let's find out. Oh, damn. Okay, I'm going to hunker down here. I'm going to get ready. Here we go. What I can tell you is that today's events in Paris that are so tragic are a reminder of how important it is for everybody to be vigilant about the threats that we face. I don't say that to hint that somehow the French fell short of needed vigilance, only to say that today's tragic terror attack is an indication of just how serious a threat we face. And there are men and women in the U.S. national security infrastructure that are working around the clock to try to protect the American people and the American interests, both here, at home, and around the world. Oh my, he continued the that we face is serious, but what we have to face is strong international cooperation with our partners around the globe to try to mitigate the threat that is posed by foreign fighters. Uh-huh. We are working very closely, yeah, right, with leaders in the Muslim community. Oh, oh, not leaders of countries. No. We're working closely with leaders in the Muslim community, both at home and around the world, to try to counter the violent extremist messaging that ISIL and other government organizations, or excuse me, other extremist organizations, well, I'm sort of said the same thing as he said, other extremist organizations are using to try to radicalize individuals around the globe. But he wasn't done, my friends. He then went on to say, there are some individuals that are using a <coughs> peaceful religion <coughs> and grossly distorting it <coughs> and trying to use his tenets to inspire people around the globe to carry out acts of violence. And we have enjoyed significant success. Oh, really? (laughs) Significant success in enlisting leaders in the Muslim community, like I said, both in the United States and around the world, to condemn that kind of messaging. Oh, really? (laughs) 
to condemn those efforts. Oh, really? To radicalize individuals. Oh, really? And to be clear about what the tenets of Islam actually are. Oh, really? Really? And we, oh, oh, here we go. And we are going to, are you ready? We're going to redouble those efforts in the days and weeks ahead. Oh, my God, I feel so much better now. They're going to redouble efforts in the days and weeks ahead. Don't you feel better? Oh, wait. Uh-oh. We're talking about B.O. He's going to redouble double efforts in the days and weeks ahead. Um, hmm. Um, um, uh, wait a second here. Uh, wow. Um, uh, that's, that's not so comforting, uh, my friends. Uh, it's, uh, maybe I got a little carried away there with, uh, all this wonderful talk, you know. Uh, oh boy. Um, next, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, it's gonna lead double efforts. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> now remember when Dio said over and over and over, "If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor, and it's gonna cost you no more than a cell phone or a cable bill." Yes. Remember those heady remarks? Offering free tuition. This was not for students. You know who it's really for? It's the colleges. Why do I say that? Well, listen to the facts here. California. Let's just use California as an example. It has a very cheap community college program. Annual tuition can cost less than fifteen grand a year. Fifteen hundred, not fifteen grand. Fifteen hundred a year, and according to this college calculation service, you're likely to spend more on books than you will on your classes. Seriously, well, California has a problem in that its community college system already cannot accommodate all the students who want to attend. In 2012, California reported having 470,000 students on waiting lists. The inability to provide classes for students was, of course, blamed on budget cuts, but not on its economic model, no. Well, they did raise tuition rates, though, from $20 a unit to $46 a unit. Well, you cannot look at California's community college system and conclude that subjecting all community college students even further to the vicissitudes of government spending com commitments is a good idea. No. But this is exactly what B.O. is proposing with his America's College Promise proposal. Yeah. And it would provide <coughs> free as in subsidized by the federal and state governments, community college education. Well, I don't have time to read the proposal, and I'm not going to, but I do encourage you to go to the article here and read it yourself, okay? But right off in this, we see a huge incentive for further grade inflation for community colleges. Why? Well, remember, 
free money getting tossed around is going to college faculty and administrators, not the students. It's not the students being subsidized. It's the colleges. So they're going to do everything in their power to keep these students attending, even if it results in students leaving college with an associate's degree that they can barely read, which will subsequently devalue the degrees in the eyes of employers. Now, even in an era of grade inflation, community college have a terrible completion rate for students seeking a two-year degree. The Chronicle of Higher Education offers a handy map showing the completion rates lower than 10% in states like Indiana and Rhode Island after three years of attendance. The best state, South Dakota, has a 52.9% completion rate. For-profit colleges, for all their criticism for taking advantages of students and federal subsidies, of course, have a higher graduation rate than community colleges. Mm -hmm. So, my friends, think about it. Free college is being offered to you by the guy who said you can keep your life to plan, you can keep your doctor if you like your doctor, by the same government that drove up tuition costs for universities by, well, subsidizing them, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. What this is is a subsidy for faculty and college-level administration bloat. You know, what this is going to do, uh, this is going to cause, where's the number here? I'm looking for it. Oh, yes. This is going to create, at the very minimum, an average of three new administrative positions per 1,000 students. That's what it's going to do. And of course, it's going to be a real boon to all these administrators, you know, because now they're going to have to have more administrators doing more studies to provide more student services. See how the cycle just sort of goes around and around and around? Yeah, right. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Yeah, so much for free college. Yeah. Okay. When we come back from the upcoming break, I really want you to put your critical thinking caps on, my friends, and really, really think about what I'm going to present to you. And I want you to substitute rape arguments for all these apologies I'm going to talk about. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders on American Voice Radio Network. Go wait where we will be right back.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC ceased in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 Two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the Premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government... If you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... (laughs) ...is the proper place where those police need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. 
I am your host, Emroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is still Monday, June. 